Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly. We believe it's the right journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters, because we're all perfectly imperfect. Welcome back to Perfectly Imperfect. I am Christine. And I'm Regina. We are here in a very, very special place. Yeah, with a very special guest. Someone that is worthy of having the... Before his full name. Ooh. I feel like the gives it away. The. The. Well, why don't you introduce yourself, whoever you are, as I'm sitting right across from you. <laughs> Mystery guest. Uh, <laughs> that hi. Laugh, that laugh gives it away. Hi. I'm Wesley. <laughs> it's, the, okay, look. The most enthusiastic <laughs> intro ever. You know why there's a the. It's, it wasn't because I'm pronouncing... I have arrived. Wait, is it not? No, it's not. It's oh, you guys don't know the story. You couldn't get the... Yeah. Like, there was another Wesley chat. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, then I should be the Regina Fang yeah, on you, other platforms. You totally should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like my name's too common. I feel like there already is Perhaps. the Christine Chen. And she is the right. Christine Chen. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, you know, it might, it might be there. I could have been a Wesley Chan, but... but, but <laughs> no, it's not the same. It's not the same, right? But Wesley Chan. <laughs> Maybe Wesley Chan. We are super excited to have our very good friend, basically like my brother. We worked together before and as always, an inspiration. That's why you're on our show. I, I would say the same for you guys. Um, except not brother, but sisters. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we, we really have real talk grown up together. Yeah, I think especially with Regina because you guys met when she was 16, 17. Isn't yeah. she still 16? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still 16. Yeah. I'm still, still 16. There's so many conversations that we've had over the years that take it a lot to actually get to a point where we're comfortable being open and honest about things. And I think there's so many things that you've been through as an artist, as a man. You know, there's so many things about your life that I feel like, oh, man, if we have recorded this, you know, we have a conversation so that people get to know other facets to you. Because I think there's also so many deeper points to you that the world should hear about and your thoughts. Yeah, you're also our first male guest. Like, I feel like, Christine, because we're so close and, like, our minds are kind of melded together, sometimes we'll be so sure about something and you'll come and be like, no, this is, like, how a guy would see it. And we're like, oh. I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you two have definitely melded. Ever since you started the show, it's been really exciting. I'm really proud of what you guys have done. Above anything, I'm happy you guys are having a good time with it. Your friendship is growing and just connecting with other people is something I really admire about this whole project. And it really speaks to who you guys are. Aww. It's very clear that everyone is benefiting from this and you're deepening relationships. And that's the most authentic thing. Oh, that's like the best compliment ever. I know. I was like, we just bring on guests to be like, <laughs> so they can compliment us right. and we can record it and be like, all right, we're done. Oh, that was a good, a great episode. Tell us what you like most about us. Yeah. <laughs> episode over. <laughs> so, yeah, we wanted to get into it because now we've known Wes pretty well. I can say a lot of times can guess what he's thinking. One of the things that I've noticed about Wes, which I think a lot of people out there do know too, it's like you are very meticulous about what you do. When you care about something and putting effort behind something is very meticulous. To a point where I feel like I know that you do plan it out, but there's also a way about how you do things that some of it comes natural to you. So we wanted to get into this grander idea of chasing perfection. 
it's something that everyone, regardless if you're an artist or not, we struggle to some point. Yeah, no, I feel like now looking back, because I knew you at such a young age, I feel like a lot of the things that I like now meticulously organize, I like learn from you. Learn wow. from watching you. It, like everything needs to go in the right place in the right box. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's something that I really admired about you. But I'm also really interested to know the backstory, right? Mm-hmm. Like, does it ever become a hindrance or do you overthink things? And, you know, that whole process of becoming perfect, what does that mean to you? Well, first, maybe we should give a little background because we keep saying how long we've known each mm-hmm. other. Like, Regina was our first intern or volunteer, like, to help us out. So I've, I've known Regina since she was in high school. Mm-hmm. But the idea of perfection, I think even when I hear that, the first thing I want to, like, automatically, I want to be like, well, it's not perfection. It's just being particular. Mm. I think I'm not chasing perfection more as there needs to be a way to do something or there's a process or there's everything needs to be in its place. I say that a lot. And to me, I think what maybe stands out to other people is I know what that spot is that that thing needs to be in. And it's very clear in my head. And when people see me exercise that, it's like, oh, Wes is very meticulous. It's almost like if you had like a dotted line where everything should go, this cup, right? Mm-hmm. If I had like a little dotted circle and my cup always needs to go there, imagine that and I just see that in my head. So I put those things where they need to go. Hmm. Almost like, it's like formatting, I guess. Like formatting a, a document or a puzzle. There's APA formatting and then there's Wesley Chan formatting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've never used that example before, but I hope that's clear in, in, in how I'm describing it. So it's not an OCD, a lot of the things, because it's not like it has to be a certain way and it has to be a routine and, you know, so that's not what it is. But I think diving into it, it's more so that what happens if that cup doesn't go in that dotted space, what is the thought process there and behind it? But we'll get into that. So wanted to go through for each of us, what does perfection mean? So for me, I think a lot of this idea of being perfect stems a lot from my childhood of never being the smartest one, never being the best at anything. And so I always felt this need to like kind of, you know, like how birds or whatever, they feel the need to like puff up their chest to look bigger. So my idea... What birds are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Is it a bird? I think it's a bird. Did, Did you know that's how Puff Daddy got his name? Really? So he used to play football and he was, I guess he wasn't that big, so... He would puff up his chest to make himself look bigger. So he got the name. Really? I thought it was because it was like a weed reference or something. No. Oh. I mean, unless I'm wrong, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so there oh, you go. Okay. Instead of a bird, like Puff Daddy. Okay. Yeah. Now I've connected myself to Puff Daddy. There it is. <laughs> but yeah, so I kind of always felt like this need to be better in other aspects. I just noticed that if I could have everything in my life really picture perfect, more people would want to gravitate towards me. Mm. And then I liked that aspect of it. I was like, oh, wow, people like me for this thing. I think that, you know, with social media, everyone just has like such aesthetically pleasing pages that I was like, oh, I really want to mimic that too. And so this idea of creating this like picture perfect life, because I had so many other insecurities that really hurt deep 
that I was like, oh, well, if I put this picture perfect lifestyle out there, like nobody can get me for all those other things that I didn't like about myself. So it was kind of like a way to distract them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Like, look look over here. Shiny, (laughs) shiny, shiny. (laughs) (laughs) And then like, I would never have to really dive deep into things that I didn't like about myself or my insecurities or things I didn't like to talk about. And so it was just more of a distraction than anything else. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that because having to face the uncomfortable truths about yourself is a lot of work and mm-hmm. a lot of going to deep, dark places that a lot of people don't want to go into. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to try to mimic what you think people want to see from you. Yeah. For me, that's what I completely relate to that. And the idea of perfection is what I realized when I started to rebel in high school was that I didn't even know what it meant to be perfect because perfection to me was based off of what other people thought was perfect. Uh, if you were to ask me right now, I don't know what a perfect person would look like. Mm. But then I just put together, okay, my parents really cared about straight A's, first chair, first violin, volunteering, you're going you're to be like a doctor, you're going to be a all, all the things that were stereotypical or cultural expectations and all of that into one person. Mm. And none of it was me. Mm-hmm. So that's when I was like, I'm chasing perfection when I really stopped to think about it. It's always chasing what other people define as respectable Mm. or what they admire and I think that's what I was chasing when I was younger I wanted to be respected I wanted to be liked wanted to be accepted right and I always grew up feeling a little bit different than a lot of people I grew up with you know when growing up you just always want to blend in yeah you want to be like everyone else but be cool while doing it Mm. I think for me I've said this before I've never felt like anything stood out about me and I was trying to meld in so in that sense I didn't feel like who I was would be accepted. So the days before social media tried to put out like a very perfect-esque image of myself, like what was cool and what people would admire. And it's because I was chasing acceptance. Mm. What about you, Wes? Are you married? No, that's that's actually really interesting, like hearing your guys' background on it. Because I think for me, it wasn't so much as seeing a positive feedback thing and like, oh, like Wes is so organized. Like, and that made me feel good. So I kept doing it. Mm-hmm. None of it stemmed from there. Mm-hmm. Even from a very early age, I could honestly say I didn't believe in perfection. It was very clear to me that no one was perfect. There'd be people that were regarded very highly for a certain thing they did or the, w- the way they looked or the way they performed. But I think I've always known that that's not everything. And mm-hmm. um, no one is capable of being that perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think knowing that and I guess accepting that about myself and other people I didn't compare myself to them as much, or at least I didn't try to chase that perfection because I knew that that's pointless. And I know that sounds very wise, but I don't think about it that much. It wasn't always on my mind about how imperfect everyone was, but I didn't let myself get to a place where I would elevate someone so much to say that they were perfect and try to beat them, you know? Mm-hmm. Were there traits about, because you have an older brother and also right. your, your dad, were there traits about them that you really deeply admire and you tried to mimic that yourself? Yeah, so I I think I I didn't chase perfection. I was more avoiding failure. Mm. So you like had high expectations for yourself. Yeah, exactly. In me trying to avoid failure or trying to be better, I think it might have came off as trying to chase perfection. One thing that stuck with me for a really long time is my dad would always tell me, never be satisfied. Mm. And that was kind of ingrained to me and my brother at a very early age. I think in, when we were younger, it didn't really have a weight on us as much. When we were getting into middle school and high school, you know, he kept saying that. And I understood where it was coming from, but it just started to get really tiresome. It was like this thorn. In the same way, it motivated me to really never be satisfied. Like, I truly believed in it. It was never you can do better. 
-hmm. It was never like, I'm disappointed in you. I wasn't taught that way. And I'm really grateful that my parents weren't typical like that, Mm -hmm. Asian parents. Mm -hmm. But what stood out was never be satisfied. So it'd be like, oh, you got straight A's, but don't be happy with that. Or like, don't get comfortable there. Mm -hmm. Don't don't settle with that. Because it was a way of saying, don't be complacent where you are. Because there's always room to grow. Yes. That's yes. that's how I interpret it now. And I think that's always what he meant. But it was just said in that way. Mm. But when you are at the peak of your level and really giving it your all, sometimes like even saying something like that makes it feel like you didn't do enough. Another saying that I remember getting was, for instance, you can um, you can say, well, I, I did so much better than this person. And the, I remember the something that stuck with me was, don't compare yourself to someone that's below you. Compare yourself to someone that's higher than you. What's the point in in saying there's someone you're better than someone because someone's better than you? Like r- reach up high instead of trying to push someone else down. Mm. There was a point where actually like it got to me in a way, and I, I kind of like snapped back. When was that point? So I've always been up until high school. I was a straight A student, and I think it was like my junior year, and that's like a tough year, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. So like I remember, you know, I showed my report card, and it was kind of like a nice move on to the next topic. And I remember I, I just kind of like, well, that, that's it. It was almost like, okay, yeah, I did what was expected, but, you know, a little bit of acknowledgement yeah. that this isn't easy. Mm. And yeah, it was just grades. And But, you know, when you're in high school, like grades is, for a lot of people, it really it's everything. It's yeah. everything, right? Yeah. I don't remember exactly what I said. It was something like, this isn't easy. I could be doing a lot of bad things. It'd be very easy to do things that you wouldn't approve of without you knowing, but I'm not. And I'm doing this and it kind of seems like there's no uh, acknowledgement there. What was his response? I think they were quiet for a little bit. And then later on, they're like, we're sorry. We didn't mean it like that. It's one of those things where it's more important for me to get it out than for you to tell me. To you, respond. To respond. Yeah. I didn't say it so I can know how you feel. It's like <laughs> I, Most people would, would agree that I'm pretty mellow, I think. But that's because my threshold is very high. But when pushed to a certain place, I, I get there too. Even from a very early age, I remember even at the doctors, if I had to get a shot that I didn't want. I stared down the doctor so hard and like both my nostrils started bleeding. Oh my God. Like I got, and my mom, my mom keeps bringing up this story. Like I was like little kid and I would stare them down and I did it to my dad too. So my dad, like, you know, Asian parents, they yeah. would spank or hit their kids, right? Oh, yeah. And he did it to my, my older brother first and it worked and it worked on me too. But she said that I didn't cry. I just stared at him. You're like the scary child from Stranger Things where she like moves things with her mind so much her nose starts to bleed. Yeah. I'm really embarrassed about that story because it's like, come on, man, just take the shot. (laughs) (laughs) No, maybe you have some like supernatural power. I was going to say, it sounds like a beginning of an X-Men story. Yeah. The child discovers a superpower. Yeah. In that, what do you think you told yourself in your head? Were you like... I don't want to do this. I may not be saying I don't want to do this, but I'm going to look at you with that intent. What are you telling yourself? I mean, that was when I was much younger. That was like... But you still have aspects of that. Not that you stare right. at um, <laughs> stare people down. <laughs> no, please. But I think that part of you still exists in some ways. Mm. When you say you get pushed past your threshold, mm. like a lot of people do. What do you tell yourself as an adult now? Mm. Like when you get to that point in um, your head. I've always been a pick your battles kind of guy. More often than not, I'd be like, you know what, this is important to say, or this is, it's not a big deal, like, let it go. Mm-hmm. And that differentiation in my head is usually pretty clear. But when it's pushed, or at some point where this is challenging what you think of me, then I'll make it known, I guess. See, I bring that up because for me, this idea of perfection stems from my mom. I was a firstborn, and she put everything on me. She just had an idea of what other parents 
brought their kids out to be successes and it's like, oh, that's what my daughter, I'm going to put that on her. So she's going to get into every honors class. And no matter how well I did, there's always something to criticize. There's mm-hmm. always one more thing to say. And looking back now, I can understand that from a mature perspective of, you know, when you start thinking that you're good, then you don't work as hard because you're mm-hmm. like, it comes easy. So to keep pushing, having that drive, they kind of have to knock you down a couple of notches. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's the best way, but that was definitely my parents' way. Mm. I brought that to many aspects of my life. How it translates to me as an adult now, I'm afraid of judgment. I'm afraid of one more comment. I put my heart and soul into it, actually put time and effort to make it as pristine, as perfect as I could. Pristine, Christine. Pristine, Christine. <laughs> Is that yeah. first? Yeah. Peachy. Pristine. Cr- Christine. Pre- it's a pea, so it's... <laughs> Never mind. You can edit that part out. Put <laughs> <Get> all in. <laughs> that wasn't perfect. <laughs> yeah, so I am afraid to put out work or do anything that I really care about because I'm afraid of that comment. That one thing that would destroy my entire soul because I'm like, this is something I really, really care about. Mm-hmm. But then I had to understand the difference between constructive criticism and also you just can't please everyone. So as artists, like, do you guys go through that? I mean, in your personal life, it's one thing, but... As an artist, there's an idea of executing your creation in your head. And the process of that, at least we'll start with Wes. Mm-hmm. So I working with you, I know you're very meticulous. And like you said, you're like, oh, you see a spot. This is where the cup goes. This is where the sun goes. This is where the actor says. This is where like the prop goes. But when it doesn't go your way, how do you process that in your head? I mean, I go back to that idea where, you know, I read comments and people are like, everything's so perfect. And it's like, no, it's not perfect. It's I did it my way and you'll do it your way. And I'm not saying any one way is better than the other. I, th- I honestly believe that. I think my way of doing it is just like one way. And if, if it attracts a certain critique, then I, like I don't have that control. It's just like it, what feels right to me. But when it doesn't work out, I actually like wrote a short about this where, for instance, like if Christine, you've been in these situations or Regina too, where we're shooting something and we're running out of time and there's things that are not working out. And in that moment, you just have to figure out these are my pieces what am I going to do with it to create the thing that's closest to what I envision? Imagine like you have an idea, right? And then you execute it. I always judge the success on how well that idea is translated into that final image or that mm-hmm. final mm-hmm. piece. Mm-hmm. Right. So if they line up exactly like this in my head, this is exactly how I saw it, exactly how I heard it. Mm-hmm. That means success. For the most part, I don't get too upset over feedback and comments because in my head if it lined up with what I saw then that worked right going back to what you said when it doesn't work out it's okay well how 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 do I move these pieces around so that it's the closest at least the closest to what I envisioned Mm -hmm. and I'll be okay with that so this is the million dollar question for you Mm -hmm. the biggest critic in the room is yourself right I feel like the voice in your head right is your voice uh for the most part and there have been instances where other voices have gotten to me too yes but i feel like the high level of standard that you try to achieve Mm -hmm. is one that you set for yourself right and then when you don't get there yes like most people your own worst critic right so it's one thing when like you see comments and they say one thing but then if your final product did not align with your vision Mm -hmm. what do you tell yourself do you get mad at yourself do you get frustrated because for me, I, I still struggle with that a lot. Like there's a lot of voices in my head that usually is my own voice that is very mm. self-critical about a lot of things. And I realized that that voice existed 
from my mother, mm. but it's been carried on to me. So there's a lot of things that I do. I could already hear the critiques in my head. Wow, you worked so hard on that, and this is what it was. Why didn't you push yourself harder? Why didn't you think of this? Why didn't you look at this person doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, yes, they could all be comments from strangers or friends or whatever, but I know that is from me because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm already thinking those things about myself. I would like to believe, and I think for the most part, when something didn't work out, I'll try to get past it as quickly as possible and not dwell on it. Because there are things that I wrote and I even shot that when I got to editing it, I was like, this doesn't feel like what I was going for. And Mm -hmm. I just never finished it. I have gone to a certain point with several ideas, but haven't gone past that point. And if you go any further, you're afraid of it not being a good idea. You don't want to admit to yourself that that didn't develop the way I wanted. Uh, So you just kind of let it be in that certain stage in limbo where it's like this exciting thing that could be a lot of things, but you don't ever take it there. So it never grows. It's mm-hmm. easier to just drop it than to right. have it come to fruition and not have it be or not have people praise it as right. much as you thought. I guess like what I'm saying is instead of dropping it, mm-hmm. I let it float. When you let it float, it's like the possibility is there. Mm. So you're not stamping it with a fail. You're just saying, well, it hasn't gone there yet. Mm. I realize that chasing perfection is this illusion of self-control mm. where you can control all these things. And then all these external circumstances, they don't play into it. It's just you. Why didn't you do better? Why didn't you think of this? So chasing perfection is kind of like tweaking of this, tweaking of that. Is that something that you experience? Going back to my upbringing, it's more of a never satisfied feeling where I'm not saying that you didn't do a certain thing, but you can do better. I'm telling myself that there's room to grow. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's like the safe and kind of encouraging way I tell myself things. Instead of being like hypercritical. Right. But I am hypercritical, and I think I have things here. Like right now, we're in my house, (laughs) and there are a lot of things that I've kept, and I'm very meticulous about keeping them um, pristine. Pristine, yeah. (laughs) Um, Because I think, well, that's one thing that my parents really did give me credit for is, oh, Wesley knows how to take care of his things Mm. to a point of probably too much. But for some reason, I need them to be pristine. You know, when I'm hypercritical about a chair... (laughs) I know it comes off as like, geez, like what the F was. It's just, what's the big deal? In my head, I have a voice that says, yes, but every little thing is going to degrade it and make it last less or it's going to make it less perfect. And in that sense, I do get positive confirmation where it's like, Wes, like your place is so clean or your things are so nice. My first response is, thank you. It's not easy though. Mm-hmm. And it's it kind of feeds into the cycle of people realizing I'm super particular OCD, but then them also saying and reaffirming that I have nice things and that it's so nice. So it's kind of like, well, it's that way because I'm that way. Like the only reason why it's nice is because I'm kind of anal about things that you notice. What does it mean when something doesn't last, starts to degrade and is flawed and not perfect anymore? Do you love it? Depends what it is. What about like social media? Your feed on Instagram, for example, mm. it's super cohesive. Everything, the it's angles not. are always right. See? Well, see, that's the thing. Like, that's from the critical the, voice. Yeah, that's you. that's the critical to voice to you. For us, like, I look at it and I'm like, oh man, if only I could get my feed to look like that, you know. And I'm I, sure that a lot of your fans and followers think that same way, and they have this image of you. My first response is not because I'm doing that thing where. I'm not looking at people's that are, are not the way mine are. I'm looking at people's that are even more put together than mine. Mm-hmm. So when you say it's so put together, I could clearly think of other ones that I saw in my head that are like 
no, they try way harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then that's your voice. That is a voice. But, but yeah. that's more of a, I recognize that it's not, but I'm not trying to be either. Like, I, I'm actually very happy that there's people that are trying harder than me mm-hmm. because it puts into perspective that I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to come off as trying that hard. Yes, I try, but not, I'm like maybe seven and there's tens out there. That's why it's chasing perfection, not being perfect. Because not to say that your ultimate destination is perfection, mm-hmm. but then that it is exactly what you're saying, where it's not like you're not happy, but it's like it could always be better, right? Yeah, yeah. And then so it's taking it to that extreme where what you have is already to other people's definition as perfect. But I know that's not what you define mm-hmm. as perfect, right. right? But then the idea of chasing perfection is that it can always be better. That's why it's the tweaking. It's mm-hmm. the always like not being satisfied. Mm-hmm. There's always things that could be better. What we mean by chasing perfection and that voice. So that voice for you, my voice is like, oh, I'm not good enough. You know, mm-hmm. your voice is your dad's voice, which is don't settle. So something like, yeah, your IG feed, it already is really pristine, it, you know. It, it, but for you, it's like it could be better. It could be better. But I guess the... That, that, might, that might not be a good example because going back to like the scale, if, if Regina thinks my Instagram feed is a 10, right? I'm like, thank you. It's like a seven. But I'm actually quite okay with it being a seven. Like I'm not chasing to be a 10. That, that's almost like a defense mechanism. Me knowing that I'm not trying that hard compared to someone else makes me feel better. That's another thing. I don't ever want to come off as I'm trying too hard. Mm-hmm. At least like in the social media thing. I admit that I do care about it a lot, but... I'm like by far not what are some other things I've seen. And I guess that, that makes me feel okay because it, it reminds myself that, hey, you didn't take it that seriously. And I think there is a criticism for people that take it too seriously. But I feel like that's the idea of chasing perfection for you, which is in your case for the Instagram, you don't want to come off as trying too hard right. like these people. Mm-hmm. Therefore, that's your image of what it means to be chasing perfection for you on social media. Because if you try too hard and people can tell, then that's actually taking away from your idea. Because for you, it's you shouldn't try so hard. You still have a sense of wanting to be relatable and that mm. is almost effortless sometimes, right? But finding that right balance for you, that's your definition of what it means to chase perfection. Maybe. Maybe I'm being thrown off by the word perfection because... Perfection for you is different definition for each of us. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, it's the ideal version of yourself that you want to project out into the world. Mm-hmm. That you want people to see you as. And it may not be you. Just like Regina right. said, it's like a, look at the shiny thing, look at the shiny thing, you right. know? So it doesn't mean that everything is a 10. Mm-hmm. So that's why for Instagram, for you, it's like, that's your idea have photos that look really great that are you that is you Wesley Chan mm-hmm. but also not have it be you try so hard yeah so you're, what you're saying is that middle ground or that area that's the trying but not too hard that is what I always strive for and that is my for social media right mm-hmm. yes in terms of projecting an image I answered a comment recently the comment was basically what Regina said your feed is so nice all these pictures but I feel like it feels empty it feels like it's not really you there's no character in it I explained to them, social media is many things, and Instagram is one version of me. Mm-hmm. It's the part that is interested in photography, interested in, I want to believe that I'm a certain amount of cool, and this <laughs> is a place where I can pretend mm-hmm. that I am. 
Um, and then you watch my shorts, you'll get another side. These are all aspects of my personality in different areas. So seeing just the Instagram, I will fully agree. That's one part of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you yeah. cannot use that as a judgment of my entire character, right? It's, no, no, it's, no, like, no. It's, it's like Voldemort. Wow, okay. Like, <laughs> he split his soul, right? Yeah. Into yeah, those, the yeah. things. Because yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> whenever when someone says like, you don't ever show yourself looking stupid or, you know, like this is so superficial or limited. I'm like, yeah, that's how I'm using this platform. Take a look at the other stuff and you'll get a, a more well-rounded idea. And figuring out where to put different parts of my personality on different platforms is another form of organization, another form of control and meticulousness <laughs> that fits into my personality. So it, I didn't think about that till now. Organizing aspects of personality makes actually total sense to who I am. You really are kind of like Iron Man. <laughs> where it's like different. I thought it was Wally. You are. You're basically like a machine man <laughs> yeah. person. Like there's so many I different. I am machine man. <laughs> Machine man person. <laughs> yeah, because like for, for Iron Man, he has all these different facets to like his suit that give him different things. So I think you basically are crafting who you are. I mean, aren't we all? No. Just <laughs> you. <laughs> I, no, I guess to a certain point, that's why it's, are you intentionally crafting it or is it just you? What is really you and what is you trying to fit yourself into these placemats of things that should go there? I guess what I'm saying is you can't get a full picture with just any one of those things. You have to look at all the pieces, and that'll give you a better idea. All the pieces are intentionally put there. The pieces, it's like if Instagram and YouTube and my house and my interests, if those are all boxes, and I put pieces of myself in those boxes, that organizes who I am. And if you're going to say, Wes, this box, it feels so contrived and it feels so one-sided. I'd be like, yeah, because that's just one box. Did you look at all the boxes? And but you're very clear about what box contains what. It helps me. It's a form of control, I guess. For me, earlier you brought up uh, basketball, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a thing that I do enjoy, but maybe it's hard for me to place where that goes in terms of mm-hmm. where does basketball fit in Wesley Chant? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not particularly good at it, right? So I feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. especially when everyone else is really good at it. So it's me figuring out I'm like, how do I do this? So do you feel like it would be at the detriment to the team or do you feel like you're going to look stupid? Both. I'll admit that I have an issue of self-consciousness. and I don't, I don't think it's as obvious as you think it is because I think you do such a good job of your boxes. What goes in each box? I think when, when I'm, I don't want to say cornered, but when there are things that's like, hey, like just don't care so much, just do it. I'll do it. But I haven't fully let go yet because I'll focus on like what other people are thinking. And I, it's one of my weaknesses that I still have to work on. And I don't know what the markers of progress are until I'm in the middle of a circle of, of that dance party showing off my moves. Does that mean I've succeeded? I don't know because I don't know if I'll get there. I don't know if success is the right word, but it's more so the idea of you just don't care what people think, right? Yes. Yeah, and like kind of going off the social media thing that you were saying about us, like as long as you're having fun w- with it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I'm also super embarrassed about dancing. I feel like I've just no coordination and like I just don't feel comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And so I remember one time I got invited to like a salsa night and I was, I don't know what to do with my hands or my feet <laughs> and like people are shaking There's their a hips. There's lo- a lot of body movement. <laughs> There's a lot of body movement and I just like, I felt really uncomfortable, but my friends were like, oh no, it's fun. But like they looked good doing it yeah, yeah and so i can kind of relate on that level mm. but even then see i mean you guys have seen me dance i'm also a very <laughs> uncoordinated no, person you, 
You two can both dance. No, no, no. You can dance too. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting you brought up not caring what people think because that goes both ways. I could either choose to dance and not care what people think or not dance and not care what people think. It almost sounds like immature. I think it's realizing like you don't, you don't owe anyone anything. You don't mm-hmm. owe anyone any, anything. And it, it means you can't be good at everything, mm-hmm. right? I can't expect to be as uh, experienced at dancing and basketball as I am with Ultimate Frisbee. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a comfort or a reassurance I tell myself when I feel that hesitance. It's okay to look bad at basketball because you're really good in this other area. I don't know if that's defense or it's kind of like seeing, understanding that everyone has their strengths. I think it's a good point that you brought up because there's, it depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. So if you enjoy playing basketball, but you're not that good, mm-hmm. then in that situation, it's like, well, I don't care if you guys think that I suck or whatever it mm-hmm. is. I enjoy the game, right. you know? Mm-hmm. But and if it is to keep playing to prove something to them, mm-hmm. like, oh, just watch. I'll show you guys. Mm-hmm. And you're motivated by that. That's still doing things based off of what other people think of you. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's the difference. Um, and that's what I'm talking about. What what will make this a win? In this moment, this isn't your thing, but what can make it a win in your book? Mm-hmm. So that when you look back, it's not like I failed, but it's more like, oh, yeah, I, I did that other thing. So in a sense, you own it for yourself. Yes. What is comfortable. Mm-hmm. You find that place where you can put it in a box for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great way of saying it. I think that's exactly it. You, you own it, but like when I think back at that moment, it wasn't really like, wow, you really owned that. It was more like, what is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> which, which in the end, it, it worked. And this is another, the comparisons and competition and perfection. When you try to do something to outdo other people, that's another like form of never being satisfied. Back in school, I was my group of friends were the top of our class every year. So being around them, it did develop a competitive side of me. Whenever there were assignments or things to do, I wouldn't always know how to do it better than them. But the first question I would ask myself is, how can you do this that will stand out and be different than everyone else? I remember clearly that voice in my head throughout high school and even college. An example of that is, let's say the assignment was to write a poem. I would make like a paper sculpture out of the lines of the poem. So extra. No, that that term didn't exist, right? (laughs) But it was always like, Wesley, how are you going to do this? That's going to be like, oh, he took it there. Is it because you didn't want to be like everyone else? Or is it because you didn't feel like you couldn't compete with them? It was the can't be satisfied. It was the, if you write the paper, that's what's expected. Mm -hmm. But what's the thing that's going to, outdo them what's gonna what's the thing that's gonna put you on a different level and when everyone else was satisfied clearly you weren't so did you think that if you put all that energy into writing excellent paper Mm -hmm. because it could just you just do the assignment but it's like a really great paper that sticks out that way Mm -hmm. versus a paper and a sculpture like did that extra little thing where does that come from like is that just your way of justifying like oh well i was able to take it to that next level and be better than my friends or was it just i need to do something because my friends are all at the top of the class to continue showing that like this is why we're at the top of the class the reason the extra step went in was purely for myself not to think about it because i i wanted to show that i could do more are you showing your father i mean yeah, um, but she didn't care about... Well, as in like a representation of that voice, right? So you're just like... I think that was just like my way of showing him or myself that, hey, you weren't satisfied. Mm. Look, you know this thing you kept saying? Look, this is me showing you I heard it and this is how I'm going to answer back. 
That's so deep. I got that. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I can relate to that a lot in the sense that like, because my friends were all so good at one thing, like they were all really good at test taking. They were all really good at Mm. studying. I was always like, I can't compete with that. So I need to find my own thing. Mm. (laughs) Unfortunately, that thing was always trying to charm people, (laughs) charm my way out of things. And then the teachers who could like call me out for it. I hated those teachers. (laughs) That's that's where you get it from. (laughs) That's how you get your way. It stems all the way back to... elementary school it helps that you are a very charming person (laughs) (laughs) i tricked my way into (laughs) all these situations i like the way that you look at it where you are very aware of the things that you're good at and the things that you're not and then you invest in the things that you are good at Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people just look at the things that everybody else is good at and try to be good at that it may not necessarily be your calling you just feel the need to fit it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but it just comes back to a place where you can honestly look at yourself and be like this is me. Even if you're trying to do something differently, some people do it to still prove a point, right? Mm-hmm. Or to hide from the, the distraction. Shiny, shiny, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get to a certain point of our lives where it's just like, what are we even doing? This is my life. Mm-hmm. Am I happy? Mm-hmm. Is this me? I feel like for me, it just got to a point with, that's just cut the crap. What makes me feel alive, feel genuine? Yeah. And let's stop. Let's minimize the time that I don't feel that way and maximize the times that I can Mm -hmm. express who I am authentically. Mm -hmm. So I think you've done that very well in all the different boxes in your life. It may not seem clear to you. Like when people see it, it's like there's definitely Instagram, Mm -hmm. there's your shorts, Mm -hmm. there's your lunch break, lunch break, there's your house, you know, how Mm -hmm. you take care of things. So those are things that I feel like you've channeled a lot of who you are and how you are different, how you see the world differently and put that into art thank you you're welcome (laughs) robot man person (laughs) we have so much to grow still and i think that's where whatever anyone seems like people confuse the word better with different i don't know how to do it better but i know how to do it differently right i think as soon as you can accept that everything that weight in your heart anything you do is lifted and you claim a little bit of confidence back because you realize that there's no need to compare. It's just everything is different. Right. And I think at the end of, to wrap it all up with chasing perfection and all of this, the idea of perfection or the ideal person you should be, at the end of the day, it just stems from learning and accepting the fact that you are enough. Even if you feel different. That's the thing. Growing up, I think as children, we're always made to feel bad if we are different. Mm-hmm. But as an adult... That's actually what you try to get back. What makes you different? What makes you you? It seems like it's a very exciting time to be... Usually when someone is confused in their teen years, that time is always insecure and stuff. But I feel like now it's celebrated more than ever to be different. And hopefully it'll continue to grow that way. And it starts with you guys out there doing that for yourselves. Because what I've learned is when you don't feel like you're enough, then nobody else is enough in your life. You Mm -hmm. start projecting all of your insecurities onto everything around you. And then suddenly the world owes you something. So when you can find the fullness in who you are, then you can actually give that out in energy and perspectives and everything to the people around you. The idea of being enough, you have to put in the context of right now. Because some days, like going back to analogy of boxes or whatever, enough, like let's say enough is um, a very full box, right? Mm -hmm. Some days... The box might be very tall and slim, 
In other days, it's very wide and shallow. So like what feels enough changes every day. There, there's no standard of what enough is because what we expect of ourselves is always changing. Like as we grow, what is enough changes. I think what I mean by you are enough is that you strip away everything from not feeling satisfied, being humble, keeping yourself in check, staying grounded. You take all of that away. You're left with just you, bare naked. And you can look at yourself and be like, there's nothing that I'm lacking that I, I need right now. This is not to say that you can't grow. Of course, everyone can grow. Everyone can be better, right? But if you think like that, then you're never satisfied with who you already are. Therefore, mm. there, you always feel like there's something missing. I see what you mean. So mm. I, I agree that in the moment, there's different... I see it as different days that I'm extra low, where I'm extra critical about myself. And that's the time I have to remind myself that I'm enough. Mm. The challenge is that, that prompt when you said, when you strip it all away, mm. right? I think that's the challenging part. Yes. It's yes. not to see yourself stripped away. That process of stripping away all that other stuff is the hard part. Yeah. Actually seeing yourself being enough might not be as hard as getting to the point of where you can do that. So that's what we mean by facing the uncomfortable truth. Because there's so many layers that we've put on as armor and defense and things to just survive, what we think as being able to survive in this world that either we're taught or society puts on us, our parents, our friends, everything. And to strip that all away, we confuse that with that being part of our personality or identity. So it's hard to let go of certain things. You're like, what do you mean? I'm extra sassy because that's just who I am, you know? And I realize, oh, I'm being sassy because... Like, it's a defense mechanism. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to get hurt. So there's different parts of that where it is, yeah, stripping down bare naked, you know. I haven't reached that point. There's always so many things I'm discovering. I'm like, oh, so that's an insecurity. Mm, And that that should be the case, I think. I don't know. It's almost like a contradiction in a way. It's like if, if there's a moment that someone says, I've become at total peace, it's like, I almost question it because it's like, but we're always growing. Like, like you said, you're always finding out new things about yourself. Mm-hmm. So the contradiction is how do you keep stripping away things when you realize, wait, there's another layer. Wait, there's another layer. How do you get naked when you realize underneath that layer, there's another one and another one and another one. But you don't know that there's another one. And even if there's another one, then that's what it is. That's where you find your peace. It's not to say like, oh my God, I'm not there yet. It's that if there is one, then there is one. So it's almost like be comfortable in, in what you think is naked at that moment. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. in the moment, you know? And then later on you're like, oh shoot, I'm wearing 10 layers of t-shirts. Okay. I'm not. <laughs> but then that's okay because, so, you know. You heard it first on Perfectly Imperfect, Get Naked. <laughs> Bare, Bare naked. naked. You guys... That's gonna be the this title. Is the best this, advice. That's gonna be the title of this episode: "Bare Naked with, with Wesley Chan." Wesley Chan. And the, but then, and they're gonna be so disappointed when it's just audio. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be. That'll be. And I really think when it comes to like chasing perfection, it is letting go of that false sense of control that you have in life. Where you know, if you work that much harder, then you will achieve this result. There's so many different factors and circumstances, and so many variables to life that I'm not saying don't work hard. You should absolutely put your best foot forward every single time that's true to you, but then don't let that drive you because that was me. When things didn't work out a certain way, I'd be like, this world is so unfair. That's what I mean by you just have to have a balance of letting things 
happen the way that they were meant to happen. Mm-hmm. But knowing and finding satisfaction in that you made it you. You did things differently. You did things your own way and you can own that and be happy in that. So if you go for this shot, this basketball shot, and you don't make it, but then you've actually tried and you worked really hard and you feel good about yourself. Like for me, salsa dancing, I'm pretty sure I look like an idiot, but <laughs> I had fun. And that to me is a success. Mm. And in that, that's perfectly imperfect. Oh my God, do you like what I did? That was really good. That was really good. That was probably the best wrap up wow. we've ever done. Oh I'm just taking all the credit for that. I just, I, just I, I wrote that for you and you just wrote it. Uh, that was really, that was a great wrap up. So thank you, Wes, for joining us as our first male guest. I feel like it added a different perspective to what would be a very Christine and my like mindedness. Yeah, no, that's exactly why we thought of you because. I think there's so many boxes to you. <laughs> and I've, I've actually learned a lot about you through this conversation and yeah. how you process things. I, I hope that this did give you a better insight and that it's coming from a place of not I'm better or I'm, I achieve perfection, but just I know I'm very particular. I feel like we're all walking out of this with a better understanding of one another. We have it, a different... It, no, I don't know you at all. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> why, why is she, she just listening in our conversation this whole time? Like, I know. Who is she? <laughs> So rude. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time. We've been recording for two hours. Thank you for (laughs) speaking to us for two hours. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And I'm so, I'm so happy that I have friends like you guys where we've been friends for so long, but we can still have a brand new conversation Mm. that lasts two hours. It's just, it's just proof that this friendship is deep. So thank you. Yeah. 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 Oh my God, thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people out there already know where you exist <laughs> online and stuff. But just in case, what are you working on now? Where can people find you? Yeah, like Regina, I'm most active on Instagram um, right now. I mean, people uh, know me from my work on at Wong Fu Productions. So that's Wong Fu Pro Productions on YouTube. And then for my personal, it's the Wesley Chan. And then the the one new box that I created for myself to put things more um, things more things <laughs> is base gray on instagram and that's that's a place kind of new where i'm just like expressing creativity in in a way that is not in video form so it's more apparel design and accessories and stuff we'll make sure to link everything in the description box below so you can go check out the new work and the new projects that he's working on don't forget to rate and subscribe and thank you for joining us for another episode of perfectly imperfect and we'll see you guys next week Bye. Bye. We harmonize so well. <laughs> Bye.